Good morning, ISTs, and welcome back to week five of our Royal Sermon Series. And this will be our final stop of the Sermon Series. For next week, we will be celebrating the graduating class of 2020 since it is Senior Weekend. As always, a special warm welcome to any of you guys tuning in for the very first time. Uh, we are so happy that you guys are joining us. And please take a moment to fill out the connection card so you guys can connect with us and we can connect with you guys. All right, continuing this week, we are still talking about David, a man after God's own heart, a shepherd boy who later on became king over Israel. Last week, I talked about how David used, or I could say abused his power to serve his own desires, to cover up his mistakes, but how he thankfully at the end repented and God showed mercy. God had mercy on him. For we have a merciful God and his mercy leads us to repentance. It also though reminded us that our God is just and that David's choices and the decisions and how he abused his power did not go without consequences. And I really hope that all of you guys have been able to work through some of the things that God has maybe been pointing out in your life that need some adjustment that you need to get rid of that have just been wrong, and that you guys have been working through those things with your heavenly loving Father, and that you guys have been submitting to God and focusing on Him. All right, not only that, last week I also challenged you guys to speak up or speak out when you see injustice or the abuse of power happening around you or happening in the different spheres or in your circles. To speak truth, in love. And it was so funny because I've had a bunch of you guys reaching out to me and telling me how hard and how difficult it is and how there's just been like drama and things unveiling and, and that it's not easy addressing some of these things. And so I want us to continue on to take a look at the story of David to see, David today and see what else we can learn and perhaps learn something on how David dealt with conflict. But before we go any further, let's open up with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning, Lord Jesus. And we are just so thankful for your love and goodness, Lord Jesus. Well, I pray that as I'm about to speak, I pray that you will just speak through me here today clearly, Lord Jesus. That every word that comes out of my mouth will be a word that you want me to share and speak here today, Lord Jesus. Well, I pray that you open our hearts, that you open our minds, that you open our ears, Lord, ready just to receive a word from you, Lord Jesus, that we'll be able to put aside all kinds of distractions, Lord Jesus, and just tune in to your voice. We want to focus on you during this time, Lord Jesus. Speak to us and minister to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so, so who here likes conflict? Who here likes, likes drama? I'm pretty sure... None of us do, or at least I hope that none of you guys like conflict or deal with drama or go looking out for drama. But with that being said, church, conflict is also inevitable. We all face it, but hopefully we can learn through, learn through it and deal with it in a way that reflects Christ Jesus in our lives. So most people, I would say, are uncomfortable when it comes to dealing with conflict. We tend to avoid 
facing conflict, whether it's at home with our siblings, with our parents, whether it's at school with our friends, we don't like it. Conflict is hard. Conflict is difficult. But conflicts are a lot like illnesses. Minor ones, if it's like maybe just a cold, a little cold, and you rest up well, probably will go away. But major ones will work their way deeper and more catastrophically into our system if we do not treat them and take care of them. Like some of the bigger illnesses and diseases that we see out in the world today. And this was also true for David's family. Today I want us to take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 1 to 19. This is a long passage, but read with me. Amnon and Tamar. In the course of time, Amnon son of David fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he had made himself ill. She was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything for her. Now Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, John, Jonadab son of Shimea, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace. Go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was laying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, and made bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him. Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where can I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You know you would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refuses to listen to her. And since he was, a, since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her an intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to her, sending me away would be greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Wow. Now, sometimes you guys might be thinking, like, when you read these stories, you're like, that's, that's, that's intense. That, that's pretty crazy. That's, that's, that's a pretty, pretty messed up family right there. You guys might be feeling 
a lot better right now. I feel like, you know what, actually after hearing that passage, my family ain't that bad. But in this passage, we see how David allows conflict among some of his sons to plunge his family into tragedy. His oldest son, Ammon, rapes, then shames his half-sister, Tamar. Tamar's full brother, Absalom, hates Ammon for the crime, but does not speak to him about it. And David knows about this matter, but decides to ignore the situation. You see, for many years, everything seemed fine. But unresolved conflict of this magnitude never just fades away. I mean, this, this, this was some major problem right here. This was a big issue. Unresolved conflict never just goes away. I want you guys to take note of that. You know, sometimes we think it's just all going to disappear. It's just all going to go away. The chapter continues with Amnon and Absalom going on a trip together where Absalom piles his half-brother with wine and then has his servants murder him. We read this in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 28 to 29. Absalom ordered his men, listen, when Amnon is in a high spirit from drinking wine, and I say to you, strike Amnon down and kill him. Don't be afraid. Haven't I given you this order? Be strong and brave. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules, and fled. And you see, this family drama, let's just call this family drama, this conflict draws in more of David's family as time goes by. It ends up drawing in the nobles. It ends up drawing in the army until the entire nation was engulfed in civil war. And this came from avoiding the conflict at the very first place. You see, church, avoiding the conflict is many times worse than the unpleasantness that might have resulted from dealing with the issue when it first arises. It's more costly at the end. And you and I, IS teens, we need to learn to have those hard conversations. You know, sometimes we just think it's too difficult right now. I'm just going to let it be. But at oftentimes, those things then become much bigger and blow way out of proportion. And that's why it's so important for you guys to address it, address and have these hard conversations. I'm sure all of you guys are used to in families, you know, I mean, I myself have experienced it, you know, something bothers you and you're just kind of like, I'm just gonna stay quiet about it. I'm just gonna stay silent. I'm not gonna say anything, you know, and you know it's there, you know it's there, you know it's there. And then boom, one day you just explode. And maybe it started off with something between just you and your brother or just you and your sister. And at the end, when that explosion happens, everybody feels that wrath. Everybody then has to suffer under this big explosion. So you and I, we need to work on talking about these things when conflict is there, when there are issues that need to be sorted out. We need to talk about it in truth and love. Now, I know that dealing with conflict can be hard. And David as king was often faced with conflict. I mean, I'm sure like Jokowi, President Jokowi, there's just like a long list that he receives every single day. And it's just like, this is wrong. This is, these people are fighting. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But I want to encourage you guys today that you do not need to do so alone. 
Yes, conflict is annoying. Yes, conflict is unfortunate. But as I mentioned earlier also, conflict is part of life. We will all experience it. We will all have to deal with it, but we do not have to deal with it alone. When we look at the story of David, not only did he turn to God, but he also seeked out counsel from the people he trusted. For you know, it's easy for us to make a mistake when we go at things alone, when we depend on our own wisdom, when we feel like, you know what, I'm just going to do this on my own. But we are meant to go through life alone, church, for God is with us and we are part of his body. We are part of the body of Christ. We see another story of David's life. This is actually from First Chronicles chapter 13. Again, I want to encourage you guys to read through Samuel, read through Kings, read through Chronicles. He believes that the ark of God should be brought back from Kiriath-Jerim, where it had been left under Saul's reign at that time. Nonetheless, rather than making that decision on his own, he talks to his leader and he gains their thoughts. He gains their opinions. What do you guys think about it? And together they pray to God for wisdom to conclude on what they need to do and that they should bring the ark back. Continuing the story about the ark, though disaster strikes. Yuza, who was helping transport the ark, puts the hand on it, puts the hand on it to steady it, and God strikes him dead. This makes David both angry and afraid of God, which leads David to abandoning the project. So here he's like, okay, we need to move the ark, and then tragedy happens because of disobedience again, and then he abandons the project. What begins as a confirmation from God and his trusted circle to carry out this project suddenly turns into dramatic failure and it seems, and, and the same still happens with us today. You see, all of us face setbacks, right? All of you have experienced setbacks. You know, sometimes things might be going really well, all of a sudden there's a setback. You know, sometimes you think like, you know, everything is going really well, a setback. You're on your way to something great, all of a sudden, a setback. And it can be so easily discouraging for all of us to just say, you know what, God, I quit. I've tried to do it right. You know, I, I'm trying to do my best. But, but when you hit me with these setbacks, I, 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 I give up. I give up. Now, the story goes on by them actually transferring the art the correct way at the end. But what I want to point out from this story is it's such a good reminder for all of us that we should always look to God first, even in the midst of conflict. We should look to God and involve God in everything we do. We had oftentimes jump ahead and think we know better or try to control the situations ourselves. Any, any control freaks tuning in today? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? We think like, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this. And, and then we just go ahead. And one of the easiest ways we can do this, again, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna encourage you guys here. Because unless you're like, well, okay, Posh, you know, I get all this, but, but, but what can I do? One of the easiest ways to do so is through prayer. When you're asking me like, well, Posh, how do, how do I involve God first? Or how do I involve God in things? Pray. Church, prayer should be our first resort, not our last resort. Too many times prayer is our last resort. When we when lean on our own strength, when we lean on our own understanding and things don't work out, 
things are still chaotic, conflict is still around us, drama is still around us. Then we're like, all right, God, Lord Jesus, I need you, help me. But prayer should be our first resort and not our last. Again, too many times we try to sort things out ourselves and once we are stuck, only then we look to God. But church, always look to God. Focus on Him, submit to Him, and let Him guide you. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, And if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. See, church, God gives us, God gives us wisdom generously because we have a generous God. You know, it's not like, I'm just going to give you a bit, you know, because you feel like, I don't feel like you need that much of wisdom. But here, here we have a God who, who gives generously. It reminds us that we do not have to go and life alone and figure everything out by ourselves. And that God also puts people into our lives to help us. Earlier, when we read about the story of moving the ark, David talked to his trusted circle. God talked, David talked to the people around him. And they gave him good input. So church, the next time your parent is trying to tell you something, perhaps you should try and listen and hear them out and, and, and see what they have to say. And, and not only that, I mean, the, the leaders here at IES Teens, if you need to talk to somebody, if you're going through things, if you're facing conflict, if you're facing drama, if you don't, if you don't know what you're doing in life, which again, I, just to encourage you guys, you know, sometimes people feel so stuck when they say, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Hey guys, you know, many of us don't. I'm still trying to figure things out, but God is with you. The leaders here are amazing leaders at IES Teens. We want to journey together with you guys, whether it's myself, whether it's Titus, Matthew, Isabel, Cindy, Grace, Angel, Uncle Brian, Uncle Ronnie, Rachel. We all want to be able to journey through life together with you. So I want to encourage you guys to talk to the people around you and always involve God first. Put God first. Turn to Him first for you are not alone. Because church, you see, God doesn't only care when it comes to all this conflict, when it comes to all this drama of what you do or what we do, but God also cares of how we do it. And that's why we get me to turn to God and ask for his wisdom and his wisdom will be given unto us. And his peace will be given unto us. His understanding will be given unto us. This sermon will be given unto us. But that can only come if we look to him first and not just depend on our own. Again, like David was a king and I'm sure he dealt with so much conflict. I mean, look at, look at his family. His family seems really like, whoa, his, his family is intense. And I know some of you guys, you know, some of us think like, oh, Posh, you don't know my family. Like my family is intense too. There's a lot of conflict currently going on. There's a lot of drama going on. Well, turn to God. Talk to one of us. Talk to one of your leaders. So I just want to recap now to bring this home. First of all, unresolved conflict doesn't just go away. The next time you think something's just going to disappear, think again. And maybe it's time that you and I start having those hard conversations. Remember that you guys do not have to go through life alone. That God is with you and He is there to help you. It says that His Holy Spirit is our helper. In Psalms 46, 
Verse 1 to 3 also says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble or in time of need. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, through its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. God is with you, church, even as you deal with conflict and the drama around you. Fourth, we are part of God's big family. We have people to journey through life together with. Again, here at IS, we don't care where you've been. We just care where you're going. And we want you guys to belong here. We want you guys to feel like you are accepted here, are welcome, and are loved. In church, prayer should be your first resort. Don't make prayer your last resort. Don't make prayer your like, uh-oh, I don't know what to do. Now I'm going to pray. No, before you even make anything, any decision, before you try to figure things out, pray. Pray and talk to your Heavenly Father. And I want to remind all of you guys again that God doesn't only care of what we do, but also how we do it. And this also applies for how we resolve conflict. Speak truth and love. To have the difficult situations. To ask God for his guidance and his wisdom. Church, let's not go at life alone, but let's fully submit to God and make him king over our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. For Jesus, we just thank you that even as we look at David's chaotic life, again, we, we started the sermon series, you know, thinking that this we're just going to talk about all the amazing things of, of King David and, and, and the other kings. And we see how, how much trouble, how much conflict, how much drama all of these people had to experience, Lord Jesus. But even through all that drama, even through all that conflict, even through the abuse of power and all that stuff, Lord Jesus, we could see your hand at work and how you turn things around, Lord Jesus. So right now, I just want to pray for those who are currently experiencing conflict. They do not know what to do. Lord, I pray that they will be encouraged knowing that you are with them, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will give them the courage to have the difficult situations, to speak truth in love, and to seek for your wisdom and guidance as they have these conversations, oh God. Lord, I pray for those who are just tired of constant conflict and drama in their lives. Lord, I pray that your peace will be upon them and that they will be encouraged as they've read through these stories, Lord Jesus, that although these stories aren't perfect, Lord Jesus, and we often feel like our story isn't perfect, Lord Jesus, but you are God who is sovereign, Lord Jesus, and you're God who is good, and you work through all seasons and all circumstances, and we know that you have plans to give us hope and a future, and that is what we put our hope and trust in, O oh God, Lord Jesus, that no matter how difficult things might seem right now, Lord Jesus, we will keep on running our race faithfully, Lord Jesus, and that you just pour out your love your peace upon those, Lord Jesus, who are tired right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, that your spirit will be our guide, Lord Jesus, that you encourage us and uplift us, Lord Jesus, and that we will stay focused on you as we take on this upcoming week, Lord. We love you and we praise you, Jesus, mighty name we pray. Amen.